Welcome to the Family Worship Companion, supplementing your personal reading of Scripture with a Christ-centered emphasis and real-life application for every member of the family. Have you ever been impatient and then regretted it? Genesis 16 records for us Sarai encouraging her husband Abram to take her Egyptian handmaid Hagar in order to raise up a child. The chapter goes on to show that that's what happens. Ishmael then is the product of that when Abram is 86 years of age. So as we come to this chapter, it's good to keep in mind that about 10 years have passed since Abram left Ur and arrived in Canaan. And in that time, God had reassured Abram that he was going to give seed and give land to him and to his descendants. Well, Sarai had invested herself emotionally in that same promise, and she is now becoming strained, and in fact, no doubt, Abram as well, becoming strained in the sense of when is this going to be fulfilled? Now, Sarai knew at least two things. First of all, God had promised seed, and second of all, from the opening verses of chapter 16, that God had restrained her womb. Now, these are two very helpful pieces of information. God's promised something, but for now he's restrained it, and she should have been content that what God has promised he'll fulfill, and since he is the one restraining, it's not my problem, he's restraining it, then he can undo that as well. But instead, she comes up with a pragmatic answer to the problem and suggests to Abram that he takes her handmaid Hagar. And Abram, though this would have been common in that time, he should have known better. He should have said to her, Sarai, this is a bad idea. Instead, he listens and he takes her lead. And so in verses 4 through 6, Abram takes Hagar, she conceives, and then this tension develops because Hagar becomes proud. She begins to despise her, her mistress, Sarai, and Sarai consents it, and there's this tension that develops between them. And since now Abram is responsible for Hagar, Sarai comes and blames Abram. And so Abram then in turn gives power and authority back to Sarai to deal with Hagar as she sees fit. And so she deals with her very harshly, and Hagar ends up running away from the problem. But Hagar is not away long before God intervenes. Verses 7 through 9 give to us a wonderful Christophany, a revelation of the Son of God. Christ, the great seeker of wayward souls, comes to Hagar, seeks her out, and gives her a word to return and to submit to Sarai. And we get further revelation of the wonderful nature of the one that meets with Hagar in verses 10 through 12, because he comes and speaks not on behalf of God, but as God, I will multiply thy seed. And the language that is given to Hagar is similar to the language spoken to Abram, the multitude of descendants. And yet this one, who should be called Ishmael, is going to be a certain type of character, an untamable character. In fact, the language really is a, a wild donkey of a man. Evidently, Hagar reported this whole event to Abram because the child eventually is called Ishmael. Now, Hagar had no idea that God was going to meet with her that day. And in verse 13, you see a, a tremendous revelation in which she, she expresses, Thou God seest me, the God of seeing, 
In fact, she's the only woman to give a title to God. And I think it likely then that Hagar was a believer. That may have been the reason why she was so close to Sarai, the reason why Sarai felt that she would be a suitable candidate. And even the understanding we have of Abram being faithful and discipling his household, Hagar comes across here as one who knows God. And so the chapter ends with the naming of the well and the birth of Ishmael. And so we come to application. And first of all, beware of taking matters into your own hands and DIY solutions to the problems of life. Often the proof of a lively faith is its ability to wait. And so parents, don't try to force the conversion of your children. Young people, don't try to force a relationship with an unbeliever. Don't, don't do that. Walk in faith before God, trusting him. Waiting and praying is all the obedience God is looking for sometimes. And remember the apostolic admonition, in everything by prayer, all that God would help us to walk by faith and not by sight. Secondly, there's a word here for fathers, for elders, for really leaders of any kind. Look at Abram here. He, he just abandons all responsibility. I mean, this, this man of faith decides at this moment in his life to, to not lead his wife aright, to listen to her unhelpful idea, her sinful idea. He, he should be counseling her and saying, no, Sarai, this is not what God would have us to do. But he, he doesn't. When there's tension in the home, he doesn't come in and try to help the scenario. In fact, he just he just gives Hagar over to Sarai. Here, your problem. You deal with it. And then doesn't think about the, the child in the womb. Doesn't take responsibility there either, thinking of the one that is to be born. So so this is a really bad pattern. And and men, you you need to be comfortable as a leader with the word no. You need to be able to use it and not think about those that might be offended when it's appropriate. Satan will gladly use your nearest and dearest to tempt you. But you can't, you can't be like Abram, who is just like Adam in the garden, listening to Eve, succumbing to her, her allure into the temptation, knowing full well, at least should know full well, that this is, this is not God's plan. This is not God's will. So so men, you need to shoulder this and take this responsibility upon yourself. Thirdly, you children, I want you to think about this. When Hagar says, thou God seest me. Have you ever thought about that? God sees me. What does that mean? Well, it means he knows everything about you. And also means he sees not only things you might want him to see, but he sees the things you might not want him to see, the things you might wish he would forget, the things you say you shouldn't say or do that you shouldn't do. He sees all of that. So I want you to sense that. God sees. Now, when you think about that, it can be a little scary. But if you're feeling that fear, then what I want you to do is not only think he sees me, then I want you to see him. And specifically, I want you to see him in sending a son to go to the cross to pay for those sins. Oh, children, make sure not only do you know God sees you and all your sin, 
but then that you see him paying for sin and believing on him. Fourthly, let us remember to be gracious and filled with love for God's covenant people. Abraham, in multiple ways, is lifted up as an example to believers. Sarah, also in 1 Peter 3, is presented as the mother of faithful Christian women. And yet we see such shortcomings right here in this chapter. So it reminds us, be gracious to God's covenant people. Be loving and show love and perseverance in that love, even when we see the shortcomings of fellow believers. Fifthly and finally, maybe I address someone who feels like running away from a difficulty this very moment. Listen, God sees you in your affliction, just like he saw Hagar. And yet, I also want you to recognize that whether it be some difficulty with a spouse, church elders and leaders, or, or maybe with a boss, an employer, whatever it is, maybe God is really saying to you today to return and submit, as he said to Hagar. I mean, that was a difficult word. She's a slave. And we might say, oh, you, you have a right to your freedom. And yet God is sending her right back to be under Sarah and subject to her. Sometimes we're called to difficult experiences and God is saying, don't run from this. Stay, submit under it because there are things that you're going to learn of my grace being sufficient in these experiences. So I'm not advocating for staying in an abusive scenario tell the authorities, go to the right people. But, but sometimes we're running from things that really we shouldn't be running from. And God is saying to us, just as he said to Hagar, return and submit. That is my will at this time.